Let's open in prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. I thank you for this time to gather together, to learn from your word, to be trained by your word so that uh, we might be competent, as Paul tells Timothy, that the word of God is profitable for rebuke and for training and for exhortation, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work, Lord. We pray that we would be trained by your word. We pray that uh, you would bless this time of learning and of fellowship, and we thank you for your grace, and amen. All right, so today we're doing part two of our series called How to Lead Your Heart. Um, today's part is called Learning to Judge Your Heart, or Learning to Judge What's in Your Heart. And we'll get into what that means. So this series is an attempt at a foundationally comprehensive training course on how to lead your heart. So what I mean by that is that with this series... Um, I've pre-planned the whole thing out in such a way where hopefully if a person takes it and, um, and pays attention and is involved and you know, takes notes, thinks about it, and applies it, I think there'll be foundationally or basically compre, um, competent in directing their heart and leading their heart. So that is the goal of this series. And each sermon is going to focus on at least one habit that you need in order to lead your heart well. Um, so each, each sermon is going to focus on one habit. Um, some habits might have multiple sermons, like this one will. Um, just to kind of our main verse for the series, let's read our main verse for the series. Proverbs 4.23, Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. We are to watch over our hearts. Some translations say guard um, or preserve. It's not just, like I said last time, we don't watch our hearts like we watch paint dry or like we watch grass grow. This is very active. This isn't saying, look at the sad deterioration of your heart and just know that it's happening. That's not what this is saying. God gives us more resources than that. All right, so um, I'm going to be going over our definition of the heart at the beginning of each sermon in this series. But for the purposes of this series, we are defining the heart like this. Um, your heart is the part of you that has beliefs, desires, intentions, and emotions. Um, if you wonder why I defined it that way, you can go on our website or on YouTube or Spotify and you can listen to part one and you will find out. But your heart is the part of you that has beliefs, desires, intentions, and emotions. I'm going to briefly cover or review what we talked about last week. So last week, uh, we looked at how everything in your life does flow from your heart. And uh, we kind of looked at two aspects of that. Um, number one, all of your decisions come out of your heart. It's something Jesus mentions in the Gospels, and it's, it's really just logical if you think about it. Um, your beliefs, desires, intentions, and emotions all affect how you make decisions, so much so that you know, there's not a single choice you can make that isn't affected by at least one 
um, to four of those things. If there's something you think isn't worth choosing and you don't desire to do it and you don't feel like doing it and you have no intention of doing it, you're not going to do it. Like there's no chance. Uh, we also mentioned how another way in which everything from your life flows from your heart, um, your quality of life is hugely, hugely impacted by what's in your heart. Because, you know, that's going to affect your level of contentment. Um, you know, your desires more or less really affect whether or not you're happy in life. If you really, really want things you're never going to get, that's going to make you unhappy. If you want the things that you have, you'll be content, and that'll lead to joy. If, you, if you're ruled by your emotions, that'll lead to, um, you know, much pain in your life. If you're ruled by your desires, that'll lead to much pain in your life. So your, your heart determines all of your decisions and the majority of your quality of life. Not only that, but we looked at how managing and reforming the heart is the central issue of sanctification. It's where the problem of sin lives, is in the heart. And um, we mentioned how you need to have an attitude of responsibility about leading your heart. One thing I didn't mention last week that I probably should have, we talked about why you should lead your heart, but I, I didn't think to include all the problems or what's the problem with letting your heart lead you, which is, you know, what society thinks you should do, follow your heart. The biggest problem with following your heart, no. The big, let's do, flip the order on these. The biggest problem with following your heart is that your heart is not to be trusted. Let's look at Jeremiah 17.9. The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? You can't just trust your heart as if, um, if I feel it, it must be right. That's a, a pretty illogical thing to think, and it's a highly unscriptural thing to think. The second biggest reason why no one should follow their heart and said you should seek to lead your heart is because if you follow your heart, you're going in circles. Like, what's in your heart, what you feel, and what you desire is determined by what you think. So if whatever you choose to think is just whatever you feel or desire, you're literally going in circles. You're being led by the wind. You may as well make your major life decisions on coin tosses. Anyways, let's take a look at where we are in the series with the, the habits that will enable a person to effectively lead their heart. Uh, so last week was habit one, um, having an attitude of responsibility and intentionality about leading your heart. That needs to be a habit. That attitude needs to be a habit. And today, we have a second habit we'll be looking at, uh, you need to be in the habit of discerning and judging what's in your heart. That might remind you of a certain scripture verse that we're going to look at in a bit. 
but um, we'll look at it in a bit. First, I'm going to try to explain a bit further what I mean by discerning and judging what's in your heart. So I, I kind of have two premises for this sermon, but the first one is that in order to effectively lead your heart, you need to be in the habit of discerning and judging what's in your heart. That's part one of my premise for this sermon. Um, so discerning and judging, those are two distinct things. Discerning, by that I mean just knowing you know, what's in your heart or being able to figure out what's in your heart. If you're going to watch and over your heart but you don't know what's in it, that, that's not going to be too easy. Like, I don't know what you're going to do. If you don't know what's in your heart, you can't know what you're doing well in and what you need to improve in. And if you don't know what you need to improve in, you can't make efforts to improve. You also, if you don't know what you're doing well in, if you're making efforts to improve, you won't know whether or not they're actually working or helpful. So both of those require you to be able to discern what's in your heart. And the more accurately and detailed you can perceive what's in your heart, the more equipped you are to lead it and to do something about it. You know, if you don't really, if you're not very in touch with your intentions and your desires, how are you going to be able to measure whether or not they're biblical and whether or not you need to make some changes? You need to be able to discern what's in your heart. That's a habit you need to acquire. The more you know about what's in your heart and the more accurately and detailed you perceive it, the better. But um, I, I mentioned discerning, but also judging. What I mean by judging is... Um, Knowing whether or not it's good or bad, knowing whether or not it's helpful or unhelpful, knowing whether or not it's wise or foolish, knowing whether or not it's okay or whether or not it's sinful. Judging is a, a value term. It describes whether or not something has value or what value it has. You need to be able to not just know what's in your heart, but know whether or not that's good for you or bad for you. If you don't know if you have a certain amount of anger over a certain thing at a certain time and you don't know whether or not it's helpful or whether or not it's harmful, that's a problem. How are you going to know how to direct your heart? If you don't know what the Bible says about what you should desire and what you shouldn't desire, how are you going to direct your heart towards submission to God? If you don't know which direction will be helpful or profitable, or which direction is worth leading your heart in, you won't be effective at leading your heart. You'll either direct it the wrong way, or you just won't know what to do, so you won't direct it at all. The more you know about what's good or bad or helpful or unhelpful to have as beliefs or as desires, or intentions or emotions, the more equipped you are to lead your heart. So that's the first premise. In order to effectively lead your heart, you have to be in the habit of discerning and judging what's in your heart. 
The second part of the premise, or the second premise, is that the Holy Spirit enlightening us as we interact with Scripture is our chief means of discerning and judging what's in our hearts, especially for judging. Like you might, um, you know, be good with emotional intelligence and be able to really know what you desire and what your intentions are, but it's, as a human, it's very, very hard to actually know what's good and bad or helpful or unhelpful to desire or believe or, um, or to have as intentions without God's word and the Holy Spirit. And it's also helpful with discerning what's in your heart. Anyways, let's look at Hebrews 4, verse 12. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, even penetrating as far as the division of soul and spirit, of both joints and marrow. And scripture is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Some translations say discern, some say judged. I looked it up on Blue Letter Bible, and it seems to be more towards judge. Um, But again, you know, that's an important distinction to make. The scriptures not only can help show you what's in your heart by convicting you of what's in your heart, or uh, God revealing it to you as you read the scriptures, the scriptures help you to judge the thoughts and intentions of your heart. Is this a good thought or a bad thought? Is this a good intention or a bad intention? Will this be helpful to me or harmful to me? Is this wise or is this foolish? Let's also look at um, John 16, verses 13, 14, and 8. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. So not only, um, you know, those two verses are the ones I wanted to really use to show that point that the Holy Spirit enlightening us as we interact with the scriptures is our chief means of being able to discern and judge what's in our hearts. But, um, you know, it just makes sense to, if nothing else, pray for God's help in it because God already knows what's in your heart in fullest detail. in fullest detail, and he's not wrong about any of it. He's not deceived by the deceitfulness of our hearts. Let's look at Jeremiah 17.10. But I, the Lord, search all hearts and examine secret motives. The secret motives aren't secret from him. I give all people their due reward according to what their actions deserve. I like this verse, but Another thing I like about it is the context, because the context, you know, verse 9 before it, let's just read both of them. It's one we just read. The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? But I, the Lord, search all hearts and examine secret motives 
and give to people their due rewards according to what their actions deserve. We might have a hard time discerning what's in our hearts, but God does not. And God is more than willing to show us what's in our hearts because he knows that will help us with sanctification. The real question is whether or not we're willing to listen to him and whether or not we're willing to seek him for it. But that doesn't mean that we don't need to think about it or, um, or participate. It's not just a passive process. Well, you know, God didn't show me anything bad in my heart today. I must have a good heart. Things are going well. We're to be a bit more active than that. Um, you know, God still wants us to examine ourselves. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 11.28. But a person must examine himself, and in so doing, he is to eat in the bread and drink of the cup. You know, Paul's saying this in reference to communion. We're familiar with this passage. A person must examine himself. Not only that, but, you know, God doesn't just reveal stuff to us with us being passive about it. We're still to think about things. We as Christians are to be a thinking people. We're to love God with all our minds. A verse I, I like that really shows this, 2 Timothy 2.7. Uh, Paul, uh, you know, writing the epistle to Timothy, gives Timothy a list of analogies about the Christian life and then says, uh, think over what I say. For the Lord will give you understanding in everything. So he says the Lord will give him understanding, but he still tells him to think about it. The implication is that as he thinks about it, the Lord will give him understanding. But Paul didn't say it was okay to be mentally passive. We still need to be thinking about things. So, um, it's important that we're able to, we have the habit of discerning and judging what's in our hearts, and, um, and our chief means for that is the Holy Spirit enlightening us as we interact with Scripture. So let's get into a bit of a more how-to of you know, learning to judge what's in your heart. I've got five things that would help. You know, if a person does these five things, they should be able to at least be learning to discern and judge what's in their heart. Number one, be surrendered to God. Be fully submitted to God, you know. Have Christ as Lord of your life. So there's a few, a few reasons why being surrendered to God or being in full submission to God, and when I say full submission, I mean you have mentally you know, with your will chosen and resolved that you're going to obey God in every area, no matter what the cost. And if you're unwilling to do that, then, you know, Christ isn't Lord in your heart, you are. But being surrendered to God, there's a few reasons that makes a difference. Number one, unwillingness to obey God makes it harder to discern his will. Let's look at John 7, 17. 
Jesus speaking to the Pharisees. If anyone's will is to do God's will, he will know whether or not the teaching is from God or whether or not I'm speaking on my own authority. This is important to understand that, you know, willingness to obey God makes it easier to discern his will, and unwillingness to obey God makes it harder to discern his will. The Pharisees weren't willing to obey God. They weren't willing to make him Lord of their lives, and they weren't very good at discerning his will. They missed it when it was right in front of them. They had all sorts of evil things in their hearts that I don't think they were aware of, or not entirely aware of. But God gives discernment to those who want to obey him. Not only does unwillingness to obey God make it harder to discern his will, but this is very similar, but rebellion makes it harder to hear God. Let's look at 1 Samuel 28, verse 6. So, you know, this is a point in Saul's life where um, he had long since become Lord of his life. God was not in any sense Lord of Saul's life. He killed 50 prophets for no good reason. Like, he had long since been Lord of his own life at this point. And when Saul inquired of the Lord because Saul was going to go into battle and he wanted to know, you know, what the outcome would be. When Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord would not answer him, either by dreams or by Urim or by prophets. Saul had been living in willful rebellion to God and the Lord was not going to answer him. Maybe the biggest reason why it's helpful to be surrendered to God in order to discern what and judge what's in your heart, if you're not surrendered to God, if you're not fully resolved to, if you haven't resolved to obey him in every area, no matter the cost, then you can know for certain that the biggest issue in your heart is that you have not resolved to obey God, and he is not Lord in your heart, and you can know for certain that that is the biggest issue and the first one he will want you to fix. And again, that doesn't mean we always succeed in obeying him. We all sin, but it's, it's the intention to obey him no matter the cost in every area. If you don't have that, you're not submitted to God. So learning to judge what's in your heart. Number one, be surrendered to God. Number two, intentionally study what the Bible says about various desires, intentions, and emotions. Let's look at uh, Psalm 119, verse 11. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. A person has to know God's word, um, you know, for it to be able to guide them. For God's word to inform you on how he directs your heart, you have to know it. If 
If you want to have discernment about which desires and intentions and emotions are good and which ones are not helpful, you should study God's word and what it says about it. We're not going to get into it in this sermon, but we will in the next one or two sermons. Um, we're going to look at what God's word says about some specific things about like desires and intentions and emotions that we have and whether or not they're helpful or unhelpful or good or bad and in which context. But God's word has very specific guidance for life, very applicable, helpful guidance for life and for sanctification, and we need to study it. And I would add to that, you know, if you claim to be surrendered to God, or if you are surrendered to God, but you haven't read the entire Bible to find out what God actually commands you to do, and you're not making an effort to do so, you should question whether or not you're actually surrendered to God. If you claim to be a person who follows the speed limit, but you refuse to look for speed limit signs, you're fooling yourself. Number three, uh, for learning to discern and judge what's in your heart, spend daily time in the scriptures. Let's look at uh, let's look at it again. Hebrews 4, verse 12. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, even penetrating as far as the division of soul and spirit, of both joints and marrow, and it is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. God often convicts us of specific sins we're currently struggling with, um, when we read his word. Sometimes he convicts us of sins we don't know that we're struggling with when, he reads his, when we read his word. You know, a person might have someone they haven't forgiven and they might not realize it and they're reading about forgiveness and God brings that person to mind and brings up how they haven't forgiven them. That's a very common occurrence. When we spend time in the scriptures, we're opening ourselves up to be convicted by the Holy Spirit and to be guided by the Holy Spirit. You know, the, the Holy Spirit enlightening us as we interact with the scriptures is our chief means of discerning and judging what's in our hearts. We should be spending daily time in the scriptures because that's an opportunity to hear more clearly from the Spirit, to hear more clearly from God. You're, by spending daily time in the Scriptures, you're availing yourself to daily opportunities to get discernment from God about specific things that are currently happening in your life. And that's awesome. The fourth thing you should do in order, you know, learning to discern and judge what's in your heart. Pray for God to give you discernment. 
You know, prayer really is a, a powerful method we fail to take advantage of as much as we should in general. I've started to pray a bit more throughout the day um, as I'm dealing with things for specific parts of what I'm doing. So just as an example, sometimes I pray, well, not sometimes, whenever I'm doing sermon prep, I'll pray at the beginning when I start, but then I'll get into it and I'll be like, I don't know what to say for this point, or I don't know how to illustrate this, and then I pray for that specific thing that God would give me an idea about. Or when I'm, you know, trying to fix a bug in the code at work, I might pray when I start, you know, God, help me to realize what's not working with my software. Um, but then as I get more and more ideas of what it might be, I pray for more insight about that specific thing. I've been realizing I need to pray throughout the day as I'm doing things about specific aspects of them. That's taking more advantage of the power of prayer. But we really don't take advantage of the power of prayer like we could. And God tells us specifically to pray for discernment because he wants to give it to us. Let's look at James 1 verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. So there's you know, two principles we should get from this verse. Number one, God wants to give us discernment. Number two, God wants us to pray for that discernment. That implies there's discernment that God wants to give us that he won't give us if we don't pray for it. You want to know more about what's in your heart so you can effectively lead your heart in the right direction? Ask God. We should regularly be praying about things like this. There's a number of things in the Christian life you know, areas of discernment that we should be praying for daily, at least weekly, but probably daily. Lord, give us discernment about, you know, what areas we need to improve in and what areas our hearts aren't aligned with yours. Because there's, you know, new things develop, so we should be praying daily. Let's look at Psalms 19, verse 12. The Psalms are our example of how to pray. How can I know all the sins lurking in my hearts? He prays to God about that question or worry of his. Cleanse me from these hidden faults. That's a good question. How can I know all the sins lurking in my heart? I can't as well as God does, but since God does, I can ask God. We should regularly pray that God would show us what's in our hearts and what needs changed. Number five, or item number five for learning to discern and judge what's in your heart. Regularly examine your heart. So... We looked at two verses, I guess we won't look at them again, but you know, we looked at 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-eight, talking about 
You know, God directly telling us to examine ourselves. This isn't something we're to be passive about, you know, knowing what needs improved in our Christian walk. We are to examine ourselves. If nothing else, probably more often than every Sunday or every time you take communion, but at least every time you take communion, which implies you should do it at least once a week. Not only that, but we looked at that verse in 2 Timothy 2 about, you know, God gives us insight as we think about his word. As we think about his word and how it applies to us in our situation, God gives us insight as we think about it. The thinking about it is important. You don't get to just be a Christian and turn off your mind. That's the opposite of God, what, what God wants you to do. You be a Christian, and then God helps you turn on your mind. You know, Daniel, Daniel in the Old Testament is a good example of that. He was a very thinking person, and God gave him greater wisdom and greater intellectual ability because he followed God than all of his contemporaries. But anyways, number five is you need to regularly examine your heart. But I want to get uh, a bit more into the how-to of how to do that because, you know, that might, that can be a bit complicated. So we'll try to make it less complicated. So I, I tried to think about this, and I've got like two methods that I think can be helpful for examining your heart. The first one is to look for signs of specific issues, um, you know, to see whether or not those issues exist in your heart. Um, and within doing this, I think it can be very helpful to use lists. Um, you know, there's resources that exist for this, but just as two examples, number one, pride. I included on the outline in the bulletin, if you flip the outline over, it's actually the other side of the outline is half of an outline of a, a sermon that I did a, a half a year ago on how to find pride in your heart. Because if you have pride in your heart, and we either all do or all, yeah, we, we basically all do. Let's, let's be honest. Um, but you know, pride is hard to spot in your heart. But I tried to make a list that would help you look for it in specific areas. You know, there, there's resources that exist. Thank God for the internet. You know, Christians have been making resources for years, but now we can all easily share them with each other. Not just for years, you know, for centuries and centuries. But now it's very easy to find other resources that other Christians have made. And we can kind of stockpile them as, you know, the church universal. Um, but, you know, this is one of probably many out there resources that exists to help you identify pride in your heart. There's great ones that exist for unforgiveness. Uh, total, the Total Forgiveness Experience book has some good stuff to help you discern whether or not you've truly forgiven people. And an extra chapter to help you figure out whether or not you've forgiven yourself. So... Um, you know, the first method that I think can be helpful is having specific things you're looking for when you examine your heart and using 
you know, lists that exist, like here's some signs for these things, and then go through the list, think about whether or not this is a thing in your life. Also, over the next two sermons in this series, we're going to look at specific things you need to look out for. Uh, Pride and unforgiveness are just two examples of that. But, you know, that's one method, and that's fairly helpful. The second method that I think can be helpful in trying to examine your heart or trying to get more discernment about what's in it is to try to identify what you feel or what you think or what you desire. So let me explain what I mean by that. Um, Sooner or later, probably everyone feels angry or sad or worried about something, and we're not quite sure what we're angry or sad or worried about. This probably happens somewhat commonly for everyone, like at least a few times a year. I'm not the only one, right? Is this? Okay, good. Thanks, Bradbury. <laughs> but anyways, we all, you know, at various points in life feel worried or angry or sad about something, and we don't know what it is. So what I do when this happens to me, and this, this method has been very helpful, it works more often than not, but I sit down with a writing tool, like my phone or a laptop or a pen and paper, um, and I ask myself a question about it. Like, let's just use anger as an example. What am I mad about? And then I think of potential answers for that question, and I write them down. And then I compare them with each other. And usually one will stick out more than the other. It kind of resonates with my feelings. Like, I'll I'll be wondering, what am I mad about? And I'll write down a list of things that I think are plausible, that maybe I'm mad about this, maybe I'm mad about that. And one of them, when I read it, will make me feel mad. And that's, that's a good sign. That's a sign that you found it. You know, you could do the same thing with worrying. What am I worried about? I'm not sure. You make a list of things that could be, you read through them. If one of them, when you read it, makes you feel worried, that's probably the one. Sometimes it could be more than one thing, but um, this really, this helps me a lot with this type of thing. Usually one will stick out. And you can do this with desires too. Like if you feel disappointed about something and you don't know what you desired that you didn't get that you're disappointed about, you could write down, well, maybe I wanted to get this. Like I had this party and no one attended But what am I so disappointed about? What was I hoping to get out of it? You write down a list of things that it could have been. You go through the list. If one of them causes you to feel desire or to feel disappointed, that one's probably up there. That probably had something to do with why you're so disappointed about it. This has worked very well for me a lot. Just as an example, um, you know, a You might be angry about something, like, sometimes I get angry about things and I don't know why I'm as angry as I am about them. Like, well, that was a petty thing. Why do I keep getting mad about it throughout my day? Let's say somebody broke a coffee mug that I own. You know, it's a $5 coffee mug and I'm trying to go about my work day and it keeps coming up. Why am I getting so mad about it? 
But then I, you know, I'll take it some time to write down things I could be mad about and go through them and, oh, I'm not mad about the $5 coffee mug. I'm mad because I feel like they disrespect me because they were careless and they didn't offer to get me a new mug and they clearly didn't care that they broke my favorite coffee mug. You know, stuff like that happens. Sometimes we're mad about something and we don't know why we're mad about it or we don't know why it keeps coming up in our minds as much as it does. But this method has really helped me a lot with this type of stuff. Like, ask yourself a question, why do I feel this way about this? Write down potential answers and go through them and see if one sticks out. If one sticks out, that's probably it. And obviously, when you're doing this, it helps to pray while you do it. But having this type of insight about what you feel and what you desire and what's in your heart is super helpful. It's super helpful. If you want to be a type of person who directs your heart in the direction you want to go, it to go in, instead of letting it lead you, this type of stuff is very helpful. This is an essential habit. You're going to have to have the habit of discerning what's in your heart and judging whether or not it's good or bad or helpful or unhelpful. But before you can judge whether or not it's helpful or unhelpful, you have to be able to discern what's in your heart. And then the scriptures will often help you make sense of whether or not it's helpful or unhelpful. So we've got five things. We can go back to the list of the five things. Five things you can do to help you learn to discern and judge what's in your heart. And these five things are easy enough that anyone can do them. Anyone can be surrendered to God. Everyone should be surrendered to God. Amen. It's a decision. The Holy Spirit helps us with it. It's not difficult. Number two, intentionally studying the Bible. We're all adults. We can do that. <laughs> we can read. And even if we couldn't, there's enough audio resources that exist that that wouldn't even be an excuse. Spending daily time in the scriptures. You've got a copy of scripture in your pocket on your phone at all times. You can spend daily time in God's word. Praying for discernment. We can all pray for discernment. It's easy. And you know, taking time to examine ourselves regularly, to examine our hearts. It's really more about taking the time to do it. Are you, gonna, are you willing to sit down and try it? Sit down with a pen and paper or with your phone or on a laptop and ask yourselves questions and write stuff down. Anyone can do it. It doesn't take a lot of time. And if you do all five of the, these, it'll make a big difference in developing the habit of discerning and judging what's in your heart. And that knowledge will be super helpful. If you just have that, you're pretty far ahead of the game compared to most people. So in conclusion, can we go back to the habit slides? At the end of each sermon in this series, I want to go back to the habit slide and show where we are in the series. So 
you know, habits for leading your heart. Number one, having an attitude of intentionality and responsibility about leading your heart. And as we looked at today, and we're going to look at over the next couple of weeks, you know, habit number two, you want to be able to, you want to be in the habit of regularly discerning and judging what's in your heart. Um, I'm going to start giving homework. So um, you don't have to do it, but I really recommend you do. Like if you want to develop these habits, like I, I'm really going to avoid giving busy work. I don't want to give homework just to give homework. These are things that I'm trying to gear towards something that will help you develop these habits. So sometime through this week, I think it'd be helpful to go through the list of the five items that help with learning to discern and judge what's in your heart. You know, think about which ones you need to do more of or do more regularly. You should also think about whether or not anything else should be added to the list. As a side note, something that helps with learning things is just thinking through them, thinking through whether it's true or not. Uh, you should all think through what I say and whether or not it's true. It might not be. Um, if it's not true, you want to know that it's not true. And if it is true and you think through it, not only will you have more confidence about it, but you'll remember it better. Because thinking through something is one of the best things you can do to remember it. But anyways, let's close in prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you uh, that your word gives us insight about what's in our heart and whether or not it's good or bad, helpful or unhelpful, honoring to you or dishonoring to you. We pray that we would really value that information and we would seek you for discernment on what's in our hearts and what we need to um, be more yielded to you and what we need to fight to change. We pray that you would give us insight. We pray that you would change our hearts and you would help us to participate actively in that. We thank you for your grace, Lord, and amen.